Hello, I'm Mark Tweddle. Welcome to You Tell Yours, where we share with you stories from our storytelling classes. Our storytelling techniques are a practical way to help get yourself heard, be it for a storytelling event, a business presentation, or any public speaking function. So if you'd like to tell your story, head over to youtellyours.com for details of our classes and events, both in Burbank and online. This week's story is from a friend of mine, Chris Casson, and his rock star journeys. So, I've always wanted to be a rock star. Even before they even coined the term rock star. <laughs> February 1964, I'm sitting on my grandmother's, end of my grandmother's bed in her apartment in the Bronx. It's Sunday night, and we're watching Ed Sullivan on her little Dumont eight-inch black and white tube. <laughs> and the Beatles come on. And I was touched. I wanted to be John Lennon. Until two weeks later when I saw the Kinks, and then I wanted to be Ray Davies. <laughs> and about a month later, I saw the Stones, Keith Richards. You get the pattern here? But uh, I needed a guitar. My mother helped me out there. She gave me a, a nice, beautiful Gibson acoustic guitar, very simple and elegant. And I started to learn guitar. But my father was a doctor, my mother was a nurse, the family uh, made bake, it was an Italian bakery. So really there was no room for any kind of advancement there. So uh, I needed a shortcut. I needed somehow quickly to get onto that Ed Sullivan <clears throat> stage. And uh, a couple of years later, downtown in our town, the Capitol Theater opened up showing rock bands in competition to the Fillmore East. All the top bands were there. And the first night, Joe Cocker and the Mad Dogs and Englishmen were there. And I raced down to get in. And there was like 5,000 extra people out in the streets. And it was a mob scene. And I couldn't get in. And I said, I'm not going to let this happen again. Because I remembered what my dad told me. After I dropped out of Fordham University, he said, son, surround yourself with winners. If you remember one thing, surround yourself with the winners. So I made it up to the bakery. <coughs> had my cousin Johnny make me a big sheet cake. He's a cake baker. And I had him write an icing on the top of the big sheet cake, welcome Janice Joplin. <laughs> so I took the big cake down to the stage door the next week. Door opens up. Cake for the band. Guy looks at it. Oh, right in. Right upstairs. <laughs> to the dressing room door. Cake for Janice. Door opens up, ah, okay, whoa, come here, wonderful. Partied with the band, Eric Clapton, the Allman Brothers, Grateful Dead, Rod Stewart. Two years, they all got cakes. It was the shortcut, it was the shortcut. I, backstage, I figured, you know, I'd be, uh, the molecules or genes or something would hop onto me and, I would, I would get it somehow, you know, but uh, it wasn't really working. But a couple of years later, I get the job of my life. It's 1974, and the National Railroad Corporation just opened up Amtrak. And the New York to Miami train 81, the Silver Star, was taking untold amounts of families down from the Northeast down to the just-opened Walt Disney World, and they needed entertainers in the bar car. 
So I got my first big cool gig. I was on the road, just like Jack Kerouac. Well, on the rails. I was on the rails. And uh, it was great. The, the train was great. Uh, seven days on, five days off. Always going in a different direction every day. I had a little roomette. Now, roomette, you open the slide, the door open, and you bring the bed down, and then you step in onto your bed. And so it's only the size of a bed with a big picture window. And I just loved the people on a train, and I, I searched out the people that had some kind of resonance with me, like Woody Perkins, the signal man. And we'd play guitar in the baggage car, because that's where he had to do the signaling from. And he taught me all about Merle Haggard and George Jones and Jimmy Rogers, the singing break man. And then it was Jackson, the porter who had worked there from the 40s and always reeked of vodka. <laughs> Didn't think anyone ever smelled it, but he had such a great heart, and he taught me everything about Robert Johnson and the Delta Blues and Elmore James and the Chicago Blues. And now old Rufus. Rufus was the head chef in the dining car, and he wore the, you know, the big bandana around and uh, wood fire, by the way. And a little up, up, up on the shelf, he had a little mono cassette deck where he played and taught me about Duke Ellington and Coltrane and Miles. And that's where I got my lessons in music on, on Amtrak. So comes down this big letter from the brass of Washington, July 4th, 1974, be on the lookout and be on your best behavior for this English rock band that's coming on, getting on in Orlando and traveling north on the Silver Star. So we were all ready. So I'm eight o'clock, we're in Orlando and I'm starting to play now, I played John Denver and Beatles and Seals and Crofts. And by the way, the, the most popular song on the train anytime I played was I've Been Working on the Railroad. <laughs> Everybody, even the drunk in the back who I thought wasn't listening to anything I was doing, chimed in. <laughs> the pneumatic door in the back opens as a big kerfuffle, and in he walks. Ziggy Stardust, and his spiders from Mars following him. David Bowie walks right up to me, and he looks at the guitar and he goes, is that a J45? And I go, yeah, and he goes, great guitar, mate. And I start fanning out on him and telling him how much I, a big fan I am, and I just saw him in Carnegie Hall, and could we do something later? <laughs> and he says, no problem, but the dining car calls, and off they went. They had to travel through our car to get to the dining car. So I'm like, big break time, maybe big break, the big shortcut break. And so I start playing, I'm playing. I've been working on the river one hour, two hours, three hours go by and where the crowd is thinning and I'm worrying what's going on. <coughs> the door opens and in walk three, shall we say, happy Englishmen. <laughs> And they come up to me, and I can tell by the look in Bowie's eyes that he was in no condition to play. <laughs> and he leans into me, and he goes, sorry, mate. Not tonight. Another time. Takes a couple steps and spins around. He goes, great guitar, that. And off they go to their first-class first bedrooms. And, you know, for some crazy reason, I was surprisingly not disappointed. You know, I, I had a reveal at that moment that, I got to do it myself. These were great people, all the people I met. 
you know, but there was no quick shortcut. I had to do the work and yeah, they love music. I love music. They love cake. I love cake. <laughs> so I made it back to my own little roomette and opened the window and the big shade and let the star shine from above the Georgia countryside come in and, and thought about what my dad said, surrounding myself with winners. And I did. I, I had surrounded myself with winners the whole time. The next morning in Hamlet, North Carolina, a little whistle stop, he gets off and I, I'm there to meet him. And as he gets off the train, I hand him a little uh, feedback card that the brass wanted us to pass out in the, in the, in the, in the bar car to get, get response back. So I give him a golf pencil and he's filling it out and he's smirking at me and he hands it to me and waits for my reaction. And I read it and it says, me and Kerouac dig it. <laughs> Bring it on home, Bowie 74. And he winks at me and says, see you later. And off they go. And you know, the, my rock star train left the station that day, you know. Uh, it was okay. It was okay, though. You know, I have my music. I, I love what I do. And I stopped trying to be somebody I wasn't. And you know what? Me and Kerouac and Bowie dig it. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed Chris's story. If you'd like to tell your story, then head over to youtellyours.com for details of our classes and events, both in Burbank and online. You can listen to this as a podcast at podcast.youtellyours.com or find us on iTunes. If you have a moment, please review the podcast on iTunes as we'd love to know what you think, and it also helps others find us. And you can email me at mark at quirkybranding.com if you have any questions about this podcast or need help with video and digital marketing. Thank you for listening.